Hey, welcome back to Beyond the Diamond. We are your hosts, Colby Rush and Hunter Broadbent. Remember to follow us on Insta at Beyond the Diamond Podcast and Twitter at Beyond the DIA Pod. Let's get right into today's show. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. College baseball season is officially underway as we're about a week in now. We had a very exciting opening weekend, a lot of games living up to that billing. And Colby, it's just awesome to have everything back in the swing of things. I mean, yeah, I'm, what can you say? It's like, it, it almost feels normal again. Like, obviously, it, there's not many fans or any fans at some games, but having baseball back, college baseball back, it brings a sense of normalcy back to our lives. Absolutely. And us as a society, we're kind of used to the lack of fans at this point anyway. So at least guys can have their families there in a lot of the cities. Um, even if it's not perfect, at least we can have that. And um, But yeah, 340 days or something in between games, it's just great to have it back. And I'm not going to complain. Um, there's plenty of speed bumps that we're going to hit along the way, but as long as we have that consistent baseball in our lives every day, I'm going to be happy. Baseball is baseball. What can, what else can you say? <laughs> yep. And that coupled with spring training getting going, it's just the most wonderful time of the year. Hence why the title of this episode is Happy New Year. Um, a phrase that I have said a lot in the last few weeks. Yeah, you have for sure. <laughs> so we're going to dive right into it. Uh, there were a lot of games we had our eyes on this weekend none more so than UConn, obviously. That is, that's my niche right there. Um, we lost two out of three to Virginia, but it was an awesome series. Uh, a lot of back and forth baseball, some really tight games that easily could have gone either way. So um, starting off on Friday, uh, two to one Virginia win. Andrew Abbott, the lefty for Virginia, making his first start. There were a lot of guys this weekend I noticed that were coming out of the bullpen that had had some really storied careers back there, but got shifted into the rotation. Um, Andrew Abbott, one of them, um, he held us to two hits over five and two thirds, struck out nine. Uh, a lot of strikeouts for us, but that's expected with not having played for so long. So be fine. It's a great lineup. Just got to get back into it. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, obvious, uh, obviously, or not obviously, but I didn't get a chance to watch it. I was driving home, but when I got home, I checked up on Twitter, saw the updates. Disappointed UConn didn't win, but a 2-1 game against what was the 16th-ranked team in the country, you can't, you can't get upset about that. That's, that's impressive. To hold your own against a team like that, got to give them props. Yeah, first game of the year, getting your feet wet. Um, ben Kasparius, I've hyped him up a lot in the last few weeks on this show, and he did very well. Struck out six, five and two-thirds innings. Um, had a little trouble in the first inning, loaded the bases and hit Virginia catcher Logan Michaels to send in a run. But after that, he settled down and did just fine. Um, he was a shining star for us. He will be this year. Um, for the rest of the pitchers, Sam Favari, Kenny House, they did a nice job. They held Virginia to four hits. Uh, Zach Geloff had two of them. He's a big name for that lineup. And Alex Tappan had an RBI ground out in the third for their only other run. Uh, we tacked one on when our absolute beast of a first baseman, Reggie Crawford, hit a solo shot in the eighth down right field. But at the end of the day, the 15 strikeouts and three hits, not what we're looking for. And uh, Stephen Shock is a big name out of the Virginia bullpen, and he closed the door. Yeah, I mean, I will say having a starter that can rebound after walking in a run, essentially, 
that that shows that he he's capable of like carrying a team like that. So that's a good sign. Obviously, the rest of the team not the best sign. First baseman hitting a bomb. Love to see that. Always we love we love some bombs here. Um, but yeah, like you said, fifteen. You can't have fifteen Ks no matter what level you're at. Little league, minors, majors, college, anywhere. Fifteen Ks. You're never gonna win the game. Yeah, and it speaks a lot to how good of a pitching staff we have that we did almost win the game despite that. Uh, so moving on to Saturday, it was the polar opposite. Uh, 10 to 9 UConn victory, just an absolute hell of a game. Back and forth, high emotions the whole time. Definitely no stress whatsoever. It's very calm watching that whole game. <laughs> uh, Joe Simeone and Griff McGarry was a was a nice pitching matchup. Um, Sim struggled with his command a little bit in the first inning, but he bounced back, got through four and a third, and struck out four guys. Well-pitched baseball, limited the damage well. Um, and Griff McGarry, he only went four as well, but again, the strikeouts, he had none of them. Uh, Chris Brown had a two-run hit in the fourth inning that plated Christian and Kyler Fedko, so that was good, got us on the board, um, had us feeling good early. Uh, both bullpens did not have a banner day given up uh, 15 runs combined. Not always what you're looking for Not there. Ideal. Um, um, no, but I mean, like you said, polar opposite, but I remember texting you when I saw it was maybe like 10, seven, I think something like score like that or something. I saw yeah. it was super high score and I'm like, Oh damn, this is kind of sick. <laughs> like just, I don't know about anyone listening, but I know both of us like, either type of game like a pitcher's duel 2-1-1-0 or a complete hitters like mania where it's 10-9 11 11-10 something like that those are the, either way it's baseball and it's fun to watch yeah i mean this game was well over 4 hours but i didn't care because i was enthralled on every pitch so um i'm in the joe madden camp of Sure, pace of play, whatever. I want more baseball, so I'm not going to complain at all. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously four hours. It's hard to sit through four hours, but you can do stuff while you're watching baseball. And when it's a 10-9 game like that, every pitch could be a home run. You don't know. When it's a pitcher's duel, I get even the quick ones, like two-and-a-half-hour pitcher's duel. Those can be honestly more boring than a four-hour game, if I'm being honest, because every pitch you're like, oh, yeah, those are cool to watch. And, like, for me personally, I love learning and predicting pitches, mm -hmm. as we know from the World Series. But you can also just get bored just watching pitchers just dominate. But hitters, they're the excitement of they could just hit a home run any second now. Yeah, and you're speaking the modern day game right there, strikeouts and home runs. Uh, some people love it and some people, well, let's just say they don't love it. <laughs> um, we know what we're talking about. What? No. <laughs> so the sixth inning was some old-fashioned baseball for us of game two of this series. They had a four-run rally, um, and none of the runs were, were anything crazy by any means. Chris Brown got hit by a pitch. Zach Bushling had a single. Both Eric Stock and Pat Winkle had RBI walks. So Virginia kind of handed it to us a little bit there. And um, again, in the seventh, we tacked on some more. Chris Brown was at it again. He sent Christian Fredko home, another RBI hit. And shout out to Christian. He went four for six um, and scored three times in our win on Saturday. Um, 
in the in the ninth, uh, we had even more insurance. Uh, his brother Kyler had a two-run double. He was picked by D1 Baseball as the preseason Big East MVP, so it's nice to see him doing some damage. Uh, but really, the biggest story of the day was Caleb Borster, our closer, lefty, throwing some funk up there. Absolutely pitched his nuts off, if we're being frank. He, uh, he went two and two-thirds innings and threw, I think it was 65 pitches, um, struck out four guys along the way, but it was an absolute roller coaster of a game, as we said, back and forth. Um, in the ninth inning, there were two down. It looked to be over. There was a fly ball to right. It was dropped and every, looked like all hell was breaking loose, but he came back to get Max Cotier to pop out and, uh, and finish the game off. So heart attack averted, even though it was quite stressful. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously those games are stressful, but they're so much fun to watch as a fan, like seeing the updates on Twitter. I was like, well, what's going to happen next? Like what's going to happen? Like those are cool. And having a closer pitch 65 pitches. I mean, both Vandy's pitchers barely pitch more than that. Obviously they were on pitch count, pitch count limits, but still having a closer pitch more than 20 pitches is that shows his guts. Or as yeah. you said, he's pitching his nuts off. He was built up to go a little bit deeper than a, a normal closer would. So thankfully for that, that's why our coaches felt comfortable extending him, but just an incredible performance. And unfortunately it meant unless something crazy happened, he was going to be unavailable for Sunday, but you know, you had to win that game. So I have no problem with us doing that because we did what it took and he was our best option. Yeah, no, you got to do what you got to do to win. Can't think about the next day. Yeah, and speaking of the next day, Sunday was a little bit similar to the first game of the series. Kind of had an outlier in the middle there. Virginia with a 4-2 win. Um, starting pitching uh, set the tone early. Uh, Jimmy Wong came out of the gate and struggled a little bit. He only went an inning and two-thirds, faced nine guys. But then on the other side, Mike Vassell, he went six, struck out six, the pride of Wellesley and Boston College High School. Uh, he had a really good day, only gave up one run, and he was just having his way with our lineup, which is a pretty potent lineup that is very underrated in a lot of circles. So what Vassell did was very impressive. Um, thankfully for us, despite the start not being what we were looking for, um, a new guy on our roster, Austin Peterson, a transfer. He had been at Purdue before. He came in and threw three and two-thirds innings to keep us in the game. He only gave up one run. And some other guys, uh, Pat Gallagher and Brendan O'Donnell, picked up the slack too, finishing off the rest of the game. Um, and Brendan O'Donnell's college debut, he, uh, he got some help behind him. Chris Brown, who had an awesome coming out party this weekend, uh, made a great diving catch, ended up on sports center the next day. Uh, Eric stock made a nice one in left field too. And Reggie Crawford, really nice pick over at first, but, um, ultimately Virginia's bullpen combined with Vassal, you know, they got the job done. Um, Stephen Shaw came in again. He gave up a run in the ninth on a misplay at first base, but um, ended up getting the strikeout to end the game. Then he chucked his glove, which pissed me off a little bit, but the emotions were high, so it's understandable. Um, Kyler Fedko, again, if we're looking at some positives, had two more hits, so you love to see him start to heat up. Yeah, no, I'd say overall, great game. Um, when you have Vassal going, uh, as Virginia um, did, you, you expect to win. It's just like, as we'll talk about with Vanderbilt, if Rocker and Leiter are going, you're winning that game. 
Vassal, I'm pretty sure, is ranked the number three pitcher in the country, according to most websites. So to even score two runs on a day he's pitching and keep it to a two-run game overall, that's a pretty big win, I'd say. Yeah. Um, he's he's a pretty special talent, so you have to tip your cap sometimes. Um, but it was, it was a great matchup. Um, Virginia moved up to, in baseball, America number two overall and D1 baseball number 12, so I think that speaks a lot to how the committee views UConn. Um, we put up a great fight. But Virginia prevailing, they got a lot of respect for them. Um, so they will face North Carolina this weekend, and we are going down to University of Southern Mississippi. Um, and one more note I wanted to make to just talk about how dominant Reggie Crawford has been in his 16-game career. Sunday was the first time he hasn't reached base in a game. And let's just analyze in 2020 and this year, he's faced the likes of Cal Poly, Vanderbilt, Michigan, and Virginia. And this was the first game of his career. He didn't reach base. So he is a, one hell of a talent and a lot of fun to watch over at first for us. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, great for good for him. Sucks that it ended. But I like to touch on um, UVA-UNC this weekend, I think you said. Um, mm-hmm. UNC has, you know, an ace of their own, Austin Love. If him and Vassal get matched up, which I'm not sure is going to happen because of where they pitched this weekend, Probably that would be Andrew Abbott, but yeah. Yeah, that would be a hell of a matchup because, I mean, he had six no-hit innings. Yeah, that was pretty you special. Don't, you don't just do – I I remember texting. I was, I was like, could he steal it from Rocker or Lighter, be pitcher of the air? Yeah, dark horse entering the race. Um, But then, uh, then when Vandy played um, yeah, we, after having – the weather delay them until midweek. We uh, we almost forgot about that a little bit because we just got so caught up in the Kumar and like lighter hype, which they were starting to live up to it. So you wanna you wanna give a little rundown on the Vanderbilt series? Yeah. So I mean, Vanderbilt uh, Tuesday doubleheader. First game, Vanderbilt won fourteen one against Wright State. Uh, Kumar Rocker pitched four innings on a uh, pitch count restriction. Eight strikeouts, one hit, zero runs, 67 pitches. I mean, that speaks volumes that you don't really have to say much after that. Yeah. Um, but I will say Vanderbilt's offense, um, their right fielder, Isaiah Thomas, and third baseman, Jason Gonzalez, both went yard, um, which highlighted their offensive outburst. Um, their second baseman, Tate uh, Cole Wins, I don't know how to say that, uh, had three <laughs> yeah. RBIs. And then their first baseman had two RBIs. Um, and Jason Gonzalez, their third baseman, had also had three RBIs. So a pretty, you know, evenly distributed performance behind uh, Rocker's ace performance on the mound. I mean, yeah, anytime you score 14 runs, it's probably going to be a team effort. So that's just Vandy being Vandy. And as we said in, I think it was last episode of the one before, we were surprised to see them at four just because of the pedigree of what they've done before their offense still looks loaded and you have Kumar and lighter leading the way in the rotation. So um, I'm sure they will rise at some point this year. And unfortunately for Wright state, they got to meet a team, a Vanderbilt team desperate to play and these things will happen. (laughs) Yeah. I'd also like to add uh, right before we started the show, 
there was a picture of uh, Rocker and his motion. Mm-hmm. He has maybe the most flexion I've ever seen in someone's arm ever. Yeah. His I when he's at the top of his motion, and anyone listening can look this up too. We'll probably post a picture of it. His hand is behind his head, but his elbow is like at a sidearm in front of him. It doesn't make sense, <laughs> no. but it makes sense of why he's so good. Exactly. It, it defies physics, but it makes sense in the box score. Um, exactly. You're giving him Pedro comp when we saw that, which anytime someone gets that says a lot. Um, but yeah, it's just, you see why he's so unhittable and if all goes well, as long as he doesn't just completely tank this year, he should definitely be Pittsburgh Pirates property at draft time. And that's where we get into the argument of game two. Vanderbilt won nothing, right state not Vanderbilt won right state nothing. Um Jack Leiter, five innings, eight strikeouts, one hit, zero runs, six and nine pitches. Now I'd argue that. Lighter's performance was more impressive because he hit a hundred. He, I think he averaged 97, which, you know, that's casual. He went, I think he went 98, 98, 99, a hundred for four pitch sequence. So, you know, pretty good. I'd say, um, not too shabby. They won one, nothing that shows, you know, how they didn't really need much after that five inning performance. He, he, if he wasn't on a restriction, he probably would have pitched the whole game, I'd have to imagine. Um, also, I noticed when I was watching uh, Leiter throw, he has a very short, compact, uh, and efficient motion. Like, And he's, I mean, mo- one of the most intense guys I've seen on the mound. There's, I know there's that video going around of him just standing there ready to throw as the guy's just flipping his batting gloves on and all this stuff. That's what you want in a winner. That's the championship mentality. Oh, like, absolutely. That's that's basically what Vanderbilt baseball embodies. So that's great to see. Um, I saw a video going around Twitter of him next to Sonny Gray, and the comps of their motion are pretty similar too. And Sonny Gray's had a nice career for himself, but right now it's looking like Jack Leiter can be even better, of which anytime you're even better than a multiple-time All-Star, that's saying a lot. I mean, he has the MLB blood with his uh, dad, Al, but from the other side of the mound, and I'd argue he's probably better. I mean, right he now, doubled his legs in size from last year. They look very big, and that's probably that's where he's generating a lot of his power, along with the compact motion, which is allowing him to just get get the ball to the catcher as quick as possible. Yeah. I mean, you're right. He is a monster, and anything can happen. These two guys are going to be – They'll be competing for their team, but also competing against each other a little bit to see who's going to go higher. I still have Kumar as of now, but if Leiter keeps this up, I'm very open-minded to changing that because as you just outlined, he's made some adjustments that's made him somehow even more dominant, and that's amazing. Yeah, no, I'd argue Kumar has the, like, he gets some more hype, I'd say, but I think Leiter might be the better pitcher and better like MLB prospect. I've seen a lot of stories that say he just has the better mechanics, which, I mean, that was evident on Tuesday night. He he looked like a, a major league pitcher out there. And I think if he can keep that up, he they're one, two, no matter what, in my eyes. I'm sure in your eyes, too. Yeah. But I think he goes one and Kumar's two. 
Yeah, it's it's very possible. And this we could live to be 120, and this will probably be the only time we ever see one team having the first and second overall pick back to back in the rotation. Yeah. yeah. I I also want to add I saw a mock draft done I think like a month ago or so. It had lighter at either five or six one of the Red Sox. I forget which pick they have. But I was like, ooh, that's not happening. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're not in the NFL here and we can't trade up. So uh yeah. I don't know. Unless something crazy happens that's not looking very likely <laughs> no maybe vassal though that's possible hey you never know um with the way he looked against yukon definitely would not hate that one bit <laughs> um while we're talking about this game i want to give a shout out to two right state pitchers the starter bradley bamer and austin klein they each threw four innings and did a really nice job keeping vanny to one run but ultimately facing that pitching staff they got the job done and gave up none, but a spirited effort nonetheless, and pretty impressive for those guys to come onto the scene in a game that no one really expected them to win, if we're being honest. But that's the beauty of baseball is any given day. Um, but Vandy's pen, after lighter Thomas Schultz, Nick Maldonado, Luke Murphy, and the closer Ethan Smith, they slammed the door, and uh, their only run for Vandy was on a fifth inning ground out by Jack Bulger that scored new center fielder Enrique Bradfield Jr. So definitely not a lot of hard contact off of these guys, but unfortunately they couldn't finish the deal. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd shut out right state too. You don't, Vanderbilt's now the number three team in the country, according to D1 baseball, I think. Number four is still in baseball America, which I I still say they're going to be one by the end of the year, but that's beside the point. Right state only losing one nothing against, I mean, obviously, Jack Leiter's pitching, so they weren't going to score. But still, to hold Vanderbilt's potent offense, which is among the probably top five in baseball, college baseball, I'd say, and to one run, that's you got to give them props. That's that's impressive. Yeah, they're earning a lot of credit in a lot of coaches' books, and they'll have some big time matchups throughout the year, as every team does. So, team to keep an eye on. Um, that was an impressive For sure. performance. While we're on the subject of draft, uh, we had Jaden Hill taking the mound for LSU on Saturday in their 6-1 to win against Air Force. Um, he went four, gave up three hits, no runs, no walks, five punch-outs, only 62 pitches. Again, it's it's been a long time, so a lot of these guys are going to kind of be easing into the season. But he's looking just as every bit as dominant as he's been hyped to be, and you got to look for him to go pretty high in the draft as well. Um, he gets lost in the Kumar and later conversation a little bit, but he was just named at the Golden Spikes watch list and he's a top draft candidate. And I mean, LSU baseball is our favorite team, right? Yeah. Some people will get that. Some people won't. <laughs> um, but now to like a not so, ex- a very disappointing, that's a good way to put it, a very disappointing performance. Um, UCLA sucked. It's just how... They were. They they were bad. That was not the opening weekend they were looking for. Um, yeah, dropping two out of three to University of San Francisco, which, no offense to University of San Francisco, they played great, but it is, it's a rough look out of the gates for UCLA. That's a series that you'd expect them to at least take two out of three and if not sweep. Yeah, no, I mean, 
especially for a lot of people were saying the SEC bias was like Florida was one and UCLA was two. No, I think UCLA was two because they weren't. I don't even think they should have been two clearly because I think it was just based off last year. There was no SEC bias there. It was just they were – they're not as good as a lot of the other teams, I think. Yeah. Um, certainly if this keeps up, they'll keep falling. But they dropped number eight, D1 Baseball, after this weekend. So falling six spots over the course of three days is a lot. Um, but they're living up to what you just said there. Um, let's do a little bit of a deeper dive into some of these games. Six to two on Friday. Uh, Jared Karros took the bump um, as the opening day starter for UCLA. He went five, gave up three runs. Not too bad. But uh, San Fran's uh, Landon Bosura, he only allowed one and gave up two hits over five innings. So even if UCLA's lineup, you know, some people might not think it's that's impressive. You're going up against the number two ranked team. Once again, in a game, no one thinks you're going to win. And having a performance like that, it's it's pretty cool. Um, so tip your cap to him and San Francisco. Yeah. And then Saturday, UCLA won that one, uh, 8-2. Uh, their starter, Jesse Bergman, was dominant, allowing one hit over six and two-thirds innings, uh, striking out six. Their leadoff hitter and center fielder, um, Kevin Kendall, he had quite the day, three hits, two RBIs, and a run scored. So, I mean, it's it's easier to win when you have dominant pitching and a great uh, leadoff hitter. So, got to give him props for that game, but overall – not great as we'll see on Sunday. Yeah. And there's why people thought that um, UCLA would be so good was their rotation. Um, Bergen is the number two guy with a performance like that. It's pretty good. Um, and it was followed up by another great performance. Um, Nick Nestrini came out on Sunday afternoon and he didn't pitch poorly by any means. He struck out 11 guys over six and a third, uh, three runs, you know, you'd like to see him limited to none, but Three runs is not too shabby at all. And the strikeouts speak to how dominant his pure stuff is. So that's why everybody thought UCLA would be so good. Um, they came out of the gates firing. Um, their shortstop, Matt McLean, had a first inning home run. Kyle Karros, their first baseman, had an RBI double. Next inning, uh, this was it, though. Feeble day with the bats. They only scored three. San Francisco had an eight-run outburst later in the game. The bullpen failed UCLA. So, tough series for them. Uh, they bounced yeah, back no. with a 5-2 midweek win over Loyola Marymount yesterday. And the starting pitching depth was on display again. Sean Mullen, the junior righty, he went seven and a third, only on 81 pitches, so very efficient. And uh, so starting pitching, if nothing else, looks like it should be there. Yeah, no, their, their pitchers were good. Their, their offense just wasn't there. There's not much else to it. Um, they just didn't produce. It's, it's it was simple. Yep. Um, but we'll see what happens this weekend. Uh, exactly. But falling six spots in opening weekend is never what you're looking for. No. And then on the flip side of that, a team with an unbelievable weekend performance, really. Um, Ole Miss, now the number one team in the country, was number six before the season started. So – Here's what they went through this uh, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Beat number 10, TCU, 7-3. Beat number 3, Texas Tech, 5-4. Beat number 9, Texas, 8-1. I mean, that's about as dominant as you can get based on that. That's, that's probably the hardest schedule so far in the country. 
and they just obliterated it. Oh, yeah, Def- definitely not bad. No, that's that's crazy though. Going through three teams ranked in the top ten over the span of three days and having pretty convincing wins, if I say so myself, uh, over them. You got to yeah. contribute it to the sweet powder blue uniforms, number oh, one for sure. But they look great on both sides of the ball. So if Ole Miss keeps this up, it looks like they were a little bit underrated coming into the year because that was one hell of a start to their season. And they might give Vandy a run for their money in the SEC. Who knows? Yeah. Those are going to be awesome games to watch. I I already can't wait for Cherney time. I yeah no I feel the same way. Um, now to circle back to a game we hinted on, uh, with Florida. So Florida, Miami was the only, uh, series with two teams in the top 25. Um, Miami took two out of three from number one, Florida, number 21, Miami, um, on Friday, Miami also had the number one recruiting class in the country for this year. So that's a, I mean, that's important to take note of because even though they're ranked 21, having the number one recruiting class with all those freshmen especially with a lot of veterans coming back to teach those freshmen. That's a big deal. Yeah. Miami has a really good team. Um, As you said, that recruiting class was special. So when you have that young blood fusing with the veterans that have already proven themselves in the college baseball world, you're looking for big things to happen. Um, That wasn't so much the case on Friday as new Florida ballpark opened up and uh, Cespedes family barbecue on Twitter it's a great follow. Every baseball fan should be following them. They pointed out that's a pretty boring name, and they decided they want to call it the Swamp for obvious reasons. So I'm, I'm on board with that one. I'm all on board, fully on board with that. Uh, Tommy Mace, definitely a big name uh, for Florida. Their junior ace, he had his way with Miami. He struck out eight, held him one run over five innings, um, was highlighted in the third when he stranded the bases loaded, and there was – Again, we talk about social media, but there was a video going all around of him all fired up when he came off the mound after getting a big strike out there. So it's the emotion that you love to see. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, we talked about in our marketing episode for baseball, social media. That's the key to getting fans. Well, college baseball has to figure it out. I mean, I know I spent the entire winter studying like college baseball teams and their social medias for, so I could figure out what to do for Fairfield. and. A lot of the teams I noticed, Ole Miss in particular, they just churn out a lot of content and they just have their show their guys having fun because that's what recruits and fans want to see. They just want to see the guys enjoying themselves. Absolutely. I love it. Um, You see all the hijinks and everything. College baseball is just the beauty of it because it's the pure game. It, It hasn't like, you know, some schools are very heavy in the analytics. Some schools are more traditional. And it's a cool balance to see those two fields kind of going at it. Um, I know we're a little bit more of a traditional program that's trying to grow our analytics, but we've had success nonetheless. So it just speaks to how college baseball, there's so many different paths to succeed. And, and yeah, it's so underappreciated and it's a crime but podcasts like ours are trying to grow it exactly there's no better way to put it it's analytics are good at some points but it's social media that helps grow the team and get recruits that's what the recruits want to see they want to see that what the media what the team looks like on social media 
they're having fun. Obviously, they're going to want to come. If it looks boring, why would they want to come to a boring team? Yeah, there's there's a lot to say for that. So, yeah, it's a good thing. But anyway, back to um, uh, the game. Um, Friday, uh, like we were talking about, 7-5. Um, Miami Jun- the Mi- Miami's junior ace, uh, Daniel Fetterman, also racked up some strikeouts in his rotation debut. Seven Ks over four and a third. Um, however, he also let up four runs, which is probably the difference, I'd say, in that game. Um, they had very similar stat lines minus the runs allowed. But that that's understandable against Florida's offense, which is coming in was probably number one in the country. So got to give him yeah. props there. He's Taking, another guy, uh, too. Like I had talked about with Andrew Abbott at Virginia, falls into the basket of – He's the ace frontline pitcher of a big name team that has spent most of his career in the bullpen and is now getting stretched out. So it's interesting to see so much of that. Um, I can think of like five teams that that was the case just off the top of my head right now. Yeah. You have to wonder if it's maybe because they had so much time to strengthen their arms over the last year, basically Absolutely, time yeah. off. Maybe they're just because relievers obviously can throw hard f- for a shorter period of time, but if they can strengthen their arms, then they're strong throwing hard like lighter does for five, six, seven innings. And that's what you want. Yeah. Um, so yeah, on Friday, the Florida bats, they wasted no time. Nathan Hickey, their freshman catcher. He had a huge game. He had a two run Homer in the bottom of the first, uh, welcoming in the new ballpark with one over the right field fence. Then in the fifth, he was added again, went oppo with a ground rule double and followed following a walk to Judd Fabian, who's a huge draft candidate. Didn't have the best weekend. Um, let me see. Do I do I know what his numbers were? Yeah, he went one for 13 with seven strikeouts and three walks over the weekend. So he is a top-line talent, and he will go high in the draft, but not the start they were looking for in what was ultimately an underwhelming weekend for Florida. Yeah, I mean, top draft prospect, but three-game series, it's not really going to hurt him. You can really only help your chances in the short, in the beginning of the season. It's once you, if he's one for 13, middle of the season in May or at the end in May, that's when you're like, is he really going to be good in the MLB? That's when you got a question. Yeah, I agree. And it's, we got to consider too. It's so tough for these hitters after, you know, you can do fall ball inner squads and everything, but ultimately nothing is the same as being in between the lines with the bright lights of the college baseball world coming down. They haven't had that in basically a year. So got to cut them some slack and forget some poor performances for some of these marquee names out of the shoot. As also the top prospect of the top team in college baseball. True, true, true. Um, uh, in the eighth inning, Florida put it away. Uh, Chris Armstrong, the sophomore first baseman, he had two run homer. Sang the lead to seven to one, but Miami did not go quietly into the night. Uh, they scored four in the top of the ninth. Um, new transfer Christian Del Castillo. He's the brother of Adrian Del Castillo. Two guys that have had a huge impact on the Miami program already, even if they haven't been there for that long. And uh, Tony Jenkins and JP Gates had some sack flies, but Florida's closer Franco Alamon. They didn't want to use him in this game because they had had such a big lead, but. He had to come in and shut the door, and he looked dominant on six pitches. Um, but 
as we saw in Saturday's game, having to use Alamon might have come back to bite them a little bit with what happened. Yeah, I mean, uh, even using a pitcher for six in a, uh, six pitches, not ideal because that ruins the whole mojo. And like you said, Saturday, um, the game went to extra innings, 13 innings to be exact. Miami won 10-9. Um, Florida was up 8-3 after six innings, actually. 8-4 after seven, 8-5 after eight. But then they just blew it. They let up three runs in the ninth. And then it was, it was, they lost everything by then. They had no momentum. Florida, Miami had all the momentum. Um, they walked 11 guys combined, uh, hit two guys. And I mean, when you're combined walking slash hitting uh, 13 batters, that's just like when you get, when you're a batter and you strike out 15 times or like a team strike out 15 times, you're never going to win that way. Yeah. And there we go again with just the opening weekend. It wasn't always pretty baseball all the time. But guys getting their feet wet, yeah. as we've said. Yeah, no. And, I mean, uh, Florida starter uh, Jack Lefwich definitely unperformed, underperformed from his expectations a little bit. Um, his pitches weren't really biting, and he couldn't really gain the zone, I'd say. Um, but he, still, he was still competitive, holding Miami to three runs over five innings but 91 pitches. So that's tough. That's tough on the arm. Tough on the, that means they got to use a lot of relievers and stuff. Uh, Miami starter, Alejandro Rosario. Uh, he topped out at 94, had a, a pretty good slider changeup combo, but he had a five run first inning and then settled down uh, to give him three more innings of scoreless baseball and keep him in the game. Um, Miami had the three run ninth, like I talked about against Franco Aleman. Uh, which is probably why they didn't want to use him the day before. Because even on six pitches, you're still – those are six high leverage pitches. So they really – it's probably like 20 on the arm, yeah, like stress-wise or mind-wise, I guess. So then he gives up three in the ninth, and then Florida has no momentum at that point. Plus, you got to factor in getting hot in the bullpen, getting the mental mindset ready. As you said, they're high-stress pitches. And this early in the season, going back-to-back days, is never easy for these relievers. So, yeah, it's understandable why this happened. But exactly, it, it yeah. zapped their momentum for sure. You can, simu- you can simulate high leverage in inner squad and in live uh, BP and stuff, but nothing's like a game at all. Um, so then, uh, Christian de Castillo, um, hit a batter and then walked Tony Jenkins and a freshman shortstop, uh, for Miami, Dominic, Dominic Pitelli, um, which tied the game before Ben Spate, uh, came in to put out the fire for, uh, Florida, which put it into extras, um, in extras, Miami, Miami closer and reliever are uh, Miami closer, Carson Palmquist and reliever Ben Wonger uh, were the stars of, of the three innings. Uh, I'd say they scored, they fired a combined five innings of one run baseball. Palmquist is a guy that reminds me a little bit of Caleb Borster, just that sidearm lefty he got up to 94, the- I think, which from that angle is just absolutely devastating. Um, yeah, you can't hit a sidearm lefty. It's impossible. And, trust me. Yeah. And Wonger did a great job. 
in our pre-show notes, I kept typing Wagner, but trust me, everybody, it is Wonger. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the 13th inning, um, Ray Gill, who had pitch hit for uh, Patelli earlier, he hit a two-out single through the right to score Christian to Castillo and give Miami the lead. Um, left fielder Jordan Lala gave them an assurance run when he reached on an error by first baseman Chris Armstrong. Um, Florida then made cr- things very interesting uh, with third baseman Kirby McMullen uh, scoring Judd Fabian with an RBI single and then sending another rub- runner into scoring position in the process. But ultimately, Wonger shut the door for a 10-9 win. Very exciting game. Yeah. Anytime you go 13, there's going to be some excitement in there. But yeah, it was just back and forth and Florida thought they had the job done. Miami comes roaring back like that. Some pretty inspiring pitching performances. So yeah, just all around some fantastic baseball and living up to the billing of what we expected with these two ranked teams coming in. As you said, the only series, the only three game series that featured two ranked teams. And it was just, it was pretty fun to watch. Did Um, I mention, or did did we figure out if they did the runner on second starting in the 10th inning? Uh, I don't think they did. All right. That's good. Cause I don't like that rule. Yeah. I've, I watched the game and maybe I'm just numb to it be from the MLB season, but I'm pretty sure they didn't do that. All right. I, um, I feel like they, that would have done something. Yeah. And in case anybody out there doesn't know, it's a new rule that's up to the coaches if they want to do it. I think they have to like mutually agree upon it. So in some cases, if they want to save some bullpen arms, both teams, you can see why the appeal would be there. But, you know, we can go back and forth all day on if we like it or not. (laughs) Yes. No, I don't. Yeah. Nope, I agree with you. We uh, We can leave it at that for all of our friends that love to talk about the rules. <laughs> so <laughs> then on Sunday, Miami came out, they got the job done again. They came out of the gate firing. Um, they had three runs in the first inning. Uh, Adrian Del Castillo, who is their cleanup hitter, first team preseason All-American catcher and the younger brother of Christian. Um, he had a two run double and uh, despite a tough left on left matchup facing Hunter Barco, the Florida starter. So anytime a catcher can be hitting cleanup, there's a lot of great hitting catchers in the college game right now. And do that left on left, it says a lot. Um, Barco, the lefty, struggled a little bit, a little bit like left twitch. Um, he had trouble feeling out his changeup, which is usually dominant, and got hit around for eight runs over three and a third, not very efficient, throwing 89. But after a 13 in the game, Florida needed – some length out of him, so they had to just rat him through those 89 pitches, even if he was struggling. Um, on the Miami side, uh, Victor Medeiros, a true freshman, he was super impressive, and a lot of people are saying he can be a future ace for them, and he showcased exactly why. Uh, the first inning, he kind of like flamed himself out a little bit, going 94 to 97 with the fastball and wipeout changeup, solid slider, 12-6 curveball. Uh, the velocity faded a little bit as the game went on to more than 91-92 range, but he still did great, uh, exited with the bases loaded in the fifth where the bullpen did give up some runs, but a really good performance for a guy like him trying to make his mark in college baseball. Yeah, I mean, great game again. Um, tough coming back after a 13-inning game to for the bullpens because 
tough for the starters too because they they know coming in they're like well no matter what i gotta pitch at least five innings Mm -hmm. so if you start struggling then the doubt creeps in your mind well what am i gonna do now i just gotta struggle i can't do that for my team so that's clearly what florida went through with their 89 pitches um miami on the other hand great stuff uh, obviously in the first inning 97 as a true freshman i don't care when he threw it that's that's insane yeah. to say the least um tough that he doesn't he doesn't have the stamina yet which is understandable because he's a freshman um it'll and hasn't, yeah it'll come it'll come with experience and learning and getting stronger but overall i'd say great great performance by him yeah the raw talent is pretty special so he'll be a guy to have our eye on for sure over the next couple of years, just coming in as a true freshman. And uh, let's forget that COVID is the thing. It's crazy to think that he was throwing 97 to high school kids just a few months ago. <laughs> That's true. Um, as for the rest of the game, uh, Miami got their offense. They had a three-run fourth inning. They brought their tally to eight runs, and that proved to be enough. They didn't score again. Uh, Ray Gill was back at it. He had a solo shot in the third. And uh, their shortstop, Yohandi Morales, that scored Lala. And Christian Del Castillo had a single that scored his brother. Uh, put the game on ice. Um, Morales did what he needed to. Florida battled through the Miami bullpen, though. They scored all six runs between the fourth and the seventh. So after being taxed the day before, the Florida, the Miami, excuse me, middle relievers were a bit tired. But unlike Franco Alamon, Carson Palmquist came back the second day. And he shut down the potent offense. Just a nice, nice calm one inning save. Got the job done. But um, but yeah, that's that's a series right there. Uh Miami was just as good as they needed to be, and Florida couldn't get the job done in some big spots. Yeah, I mean, great series by both teams, very competitive, very compelling for viewers. Um huge uh two wins for Miami. Big first win for Florida should give them some confidence moving forward. They didn't drop, they dropped six spots, but they're still in the top 10. Miami moves up to number six. That's, I think, the biggest rise we have. Um, So great for them. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, we're sure Florida will clean up their pitching and their defense struggle a little bit too. But as I've said about six times during this episode now, that is to be expected right out of the gate. So Miami was more was more polished this weekend, and they did what they had to. So it's nice to see them get the credit and rise to number six overall, especially for a team that came in as number 21 just a few days ago. So a great coming out party for Miami. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's move on a little bit. We've talked about the power rankings throughout the show, but let's just run through and give everybody a heads up as to where D1 Baseball, as of February 22nd, has these rankings. Um, Old Miss, obviously, number one. Arkansas, up to number two. They had a nice weekend going 3-0. and um, So they're one to keep an eye on. They came in at eighth. So another good weekend for Arkansas. We will focus more on them in the upcoming weeks. Vandy up to three. Louisville, they're a consistent team every year at four. Mississippi State to five they went two and one uh miami obviously coming from 21 to six florida at seven ucla down to eight as we've talked about uc santa barbara 
two and one. They're coming in at number nine. And Texas Tech, there's a big one. They were 0-3 over the weekend, taking them from the number three spot down to number 10. Yeah, it was tough for them. Uh, I love to hear that, though, because, I mean, Fairfield's projected to play them in the regionals, so love to see when they're struggling. Um, But to run through the rest, LSU at 11, uh, we talked about them. Virginia at 12, we talked about them. NC State, 13, TCU, 14, uh, Georgia Tech, 15, Wake Forest, 16, uh, South Carolina, 17, Tennessee, 18, Texas, 19. That They had one, uh, one of the biggest falls at te- falling 10 spots. Oklahoma State, 20. They stayed the same. Auburn uh, rose up two spots to 21. East Carolina, three spots to 22. West Virginia, down nine spots to 23 florida state stayed the same at 24 and duke uh came in not ranked they're now at 25 arizona dropped out of the rankings yeah there are some disappointing performances on there uh tcu they they were facing some tough talent um they had that series at the new rangers ballpark which again as we talked about during the world series it's beautiful but a great showcase of college baseball but facing that tough talent it's hard to win and they didn't win two times um, facing a juggernaut and old miss one of those times understandable um, so not the weekend tc was hoping for but they'll bounce back and texas yeah going zero and three that's never what you want falling 10 spots in the rankings and even more of a dip than florida so look for them to bounce back soon yeah i agree with all that um so some previews to next week. Um, you already talked about UConn playing Southern Miss. Um, some top 25 matchups. Let's see. Uh, Georgia Tech, NC State. NC State at 13, Georgia Tech at 15. Um, Duke's playing Boston College. That's a big game, obviously, from if you're from uh, New England. Yeah, Boston um, College had a nice weekend. Yeah, they did. Um, Miami, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech had a nice weekend, too. I noticed that. I think they had a walk-off. Yeah. Um, UCLA, let's see if they can bounce back against UC Irvine. Um, Vanderbilt, probably going to destroy Georgia State. (laughs) One I have my eye on is South Carolina Clemson. Clemson came in and swept Cincinnati over the weekend. I believe that one is in Clemson. Um, So that'll be a good matchup to watch. Yeah, I I agree. Um, See, any other good ones? Um, Probably Ole Miss, just UCF, see if they can keep up their hot streak after an insane uh, weekend last week. See if Florida can bounce get bounce back against Samford. And, Notre Dame um, was a team people picked to surprise some people. Uh, they're heading down to Wake Forest after they got a COVID cancellation last weekend. So it's nice to see them get back in action, get their season on the road. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we talked about Virginia and North Carolina. That's obviously going to be a huge series. Uh, North Carolina, I still think, is a sleeper team in the ACC mm-hmm. and overall, um, if they can put it all together. LSU at 11 against uh, Youngstown State. Who knows how that's going to go? I have no <laughs> idea who they are. Yeah, Ole Miss UCF will be the one I'll have my most eyes on. The, that's not a phrase, but you yeah. know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, I'll watch UCF is, is no pushover. That's a good team um, coming out of the American. There's still a lot of talent. So they're they're not in the top 25, but 
Ole Miss is on a roll right now, so you wonder how that'll go if UCF will be able to pull anything out. Yeah, exactly. Overall, it's going to be a great weekend, another great weekend of baseball. Another week closer to Fairfield starting, so that's awesome. We started scrimmages last weekend. Have another one later today under the lights. Oh, that's fun. awesome. Our field still has snow on it, though, so that's fun. So we're on the turf. But um, Welcome to New England, everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to New England. Um, but, yeah, it should be a fun college baseball weekend for sure. Yeah. When is opening day for you guys again? I think I might have asked this March, March 20th. All right. I don't know. It's at home. I know that. It's at 11 o'clock in the morning. That's nice. Normally, there's not many North teams can have opening day at home. So even if it is a little later, it's well worth the wait. We're playing a doubleheader. That's awesome. Yeah. Should be fun. No baseball for so long, and then boom. Double the fun. Two games. Yeah. Two games Saturday, two games Sunday. Love to see that. All right, and let's wrap up with uh, a little bit of baseball talk. Uh, right before we started recording, I saw this tweet uh, about Trout's new turf shoes and cleats coming out, the Trout 7s. Um, I don't know if anyone else has even knew that was a thing. I, I know I've had a few pairs of Trout's. I had no idea they were coming out. I had no idea he was making new shoes. I'm in the exact same boat as you. I've had them before, the good quality ones, but... I don't know what Nike was thinking there, not promoting that whatsoever. Um, you hate to compare the sports, but all I know is anytime there's a new pair of Jordans, LeBrons, or Kobe's that drops, everybody freaks out. So to have just a complete failure in marketing these new trout shoes, I mean, what, what are we doing here? Even Kyrie's too, or Harden's, all that for bas- basketball. They market their shoes. Baseball, I will say, they seem to market the Harper shoes. Yeah. I don't know why they have a they have a vendetta or something against Trout. <laughs> I mean, really. Under Armour does a good job with that, but yeah, I mean MLB loves the flair that Harper brings, I guess. Another note about Harper, he looks absolutely jacked. You sent me a post on Instagram of the Phillies of him hitting in the cage. He looks like he's put a lot of work in in the offseason. So looking for a big season from Bryce who Obviously, there's a lot of haters out there for the money he received that want to see more production. They're expecting him to basically be Mike Trout. So looking for a big year out of him, he's off to a good start. The classic yeah. spring I mean, training mantra of best shape of his life. Us included. I mean, we're, we obviously didn't think he should get that much, but I think we're fully on Team Harper now. We've seen what he went, put in, the work he put in. He's huge. I'm all for that. Let's go. Let's get every guy jacked in baseball. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you got Trevor Bauer puts in the work. Yeah. Trevor Bauer and um, who's the other Cincinnati guy that has big biceps? Oh, uh, Derek Dietrich. Yeah, they're like all about forearms and biceps. Let's go. Let's just have arm day every day. Yeah, Derek Dietrich. Do, I believe make some legs he is a New York Yankee now. So yeah, look, but, look for uh, him so to cut the sleeves the, off of the pinstripes. I don't think they're gonna let that happen. <laughs> unfortunately take have a little chris sale action we all know (laughs) (laughs) it'd be pretty funny a classic moment in baseball history yeah for sure um but yeah no i love it just just jack up the arms pitchers can do legs every so often but yeah Yeah. players don't need (laughs) legs no just get huge arms yeah they're trying to hit home runs anyway they just get fast bat speed 
look but real good in photo saw... day. They only go waist up. Exactly. <laughs> Flex a little bit on them. Yeah. They'll put that picture on the scoreboard. It's intimidating. Oh, yeah, big time. Right behind the, the catcher sees it, too, and they're calling the pitches. That's true. UConn's new scoreboard. I'll have to uh, make sure our marketing department keeps that in mind. We don't have a video board. Uh, my condolences. Thank you. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, we didn't until this season. Yeah. All right. So we're like a few years behind you guys. Yeah. You'll get it everything. eventually. Yeah. Hey, um, if you end up playing Texas Tech in those regionals and we they're win. losing right now, watch out for Fairfield. Exactly. Love that. Guys like Jake Noviello, our guest last week, friend of the show. Got some big things coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the hitters are dominating right now. I will say that. All right. All right. Well, got it. Again, it's so weird. Pitchers, to, will, pitchers uh, will build it up. I don't know who to root for in these situations because you want to see both guys succeed. It's yeah. No, it's tough. Preseason. No, I root for the people I like on the team. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of people we like, friend of the show, shout out to Kenny House of UConn dropped a follow on instagram to the show um okay. hopefully oh, come once on my, soon once my quarantine ends a week from today fingers crossed as long as it doesn't get extended anymore we can start to get some yukon magic into this show that'd be great i feel like you can take them to court if it extends farther yeah this heading into week three now so gotta love the world we live in but they want to keep everybody safe and i obviously would never want to put the team in harm's way so i will suck it up and do what's best for everybody even if it's a tough situation great mentality to have we will get through it and you know with like notre dame being canceled last weekend it's going to happen this year there's going to be these road bumps but we have college baseball back just got to keep everybody healthy during the playoffs and we'll be good to go that's exactly how we got to think about it just Keep everyone healthy by the time we get to playoffs. There'll be bumps along the road, but just got to get through, weather the storm. Yep. So it is, it's a great time of the year. College baseball on the, on, getting on the road. Spring training is back. Games are starting soon. I believe next Monday we'll be seeing some so. of these. Games I think so. I think so, yeah. So how can you not love to see that? You, I don't baseball. care if it's minor leaguers playing. I will watch it and love it. Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. Um, remember to uh, drop us a follow on Instagram at Beyond the Diamond Podcast and tweet us, you know, questions, pictures, videos you guys find um, at Beyond the DIA Pod on Twitter. And um, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It is a beautiful thing. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next week.